kid. Casey, you ready? I'm ready. Let's play ball. So can we just start off by telling me a little bit of your baseball background and what are you doing right now? Well, I played baseball at Illinois State University from uh, 90 to 94. Uh, we ended up playing in the Midwest One Regional in 94, my senior year, which was awesome, uh, except going to and barbecue. Um, then I played two years of independent minor league ball, uh, one in Champaign, Illinois, and one in Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, decided to hang it up at that point and uh, began coaching. I, I coached... Um, Gosh, I coached, what, 10 years of high school ball and 12, 12 years of summer travel ball and ended up getting married, had three kids. Kids got to be old enough to start playing ball, so I stopped coaching other people's kids and started coaching my own. So my oldest daughter's 10, my middle daughter's 8, my youngest daughter's 7, and I've been in the dugout for every one of their games. So it's, it's been a lot, a lot of fun and not the most glamorous career, but uh, that's what we do. So you're currently a performance coach helping athletes with strengthening their arm, hitting, and as well as their arm care. Yes. But you also have quite a baseball uh, a pedigree, having a dad who is a Hall of Fame catcher. So I have a few questions kind of about that. Please. So my first one is, uh, what is it your dad taught you or you learned growing a rep around baseball that you are teaching your own kids now since most of us don't have MLB pro dads, let alone Hall of Fame dads? It's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, it, it's sort of, it, it, it sounds like it should be a really easy question to answer. Um, dad, if there's one thing that he's known for, it's his work ethic and his preparation to play the game. Um, yes, he was talented. Yes, he, he could go play, right? Um, the instruction back in the day wasn't what it is now. He had, didn't have all the tech and all the fun toys that you can try to replicate um, the guys that came before you. But um, he, you know, in, in, I was telling your dad, in 1974, he got his knee blown out at home plate, and the doctor told him he'd never walk without a limp again, never mind play baseball. And after a 22-year career, he's, he's just now uh, having a knee replacement, hip replacement, uh, that kind of thing. But he, he was able to play because he took care of himself. Um, and that's sort, of where, that's sort of where I'm trying to help the younger guys figure out that, you know what, yeah, you've always been good. I mean, you're playing high school ball, right? So how many kids played in your little league? Hundreds. How many guys are on the, on the high school varsity team? 15 or 20? So you're already as much better um, if you're playing high school ball you're better than most of the kids you've ever played against you've always had success so on and so forth but you're in a small pond and the, the difference between where you are and where you want to be that next level even for you I mean, you're going into, into high school next year right yes okay that's that's correct yep. so the difference between you as a 14 year old and the 17-year-old, 18-year-olds on the high school varsity team is they're probably bigger than you. They're probably a little bit stronger than you. And they've got more reps under the belt. So they've seen more situations. They've seen more circumstances. They face higher-level competition, perhaps, um, you know, unless you're playing up age groups in the summer. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get them physically prepared 
to compete at the next level. Because if, they could, if they're physically prepared for the next level, they're going to have a much easier time competing um, at the level they're at. And that, that's whether it's a middle school kid who's trying to get to high school and maybe play more than, more than two years on varsity, um, a high school kid trying to play college ball, a college guy trying to, you know, hoping for a pro dream or an independent ball somewhere. Um, we're trying to just bridge that gap physically. And in the process of that, they grow mentally, um, you know, from a, you know, mental toughness. You know, every day in the weight room is a, is a competition against the will to quit, or that inkling that just maybe this isn't worth it. Um, so learning to put the work in and trust the process and trust the shared vision that we're, we're all on the same team here. We're, you know, we're on team. I mean, I've got a kid down here uh, just pulled in the driveway. Um, you know, so for today, we're on team Taylor. It's, it's about his dream, pushing him to where he wants to go. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's neat to see those dreams fulfilled. That's, that's why you do what you do. So your dad was not was known not for only being an amazing player, but also his durability. Having caught for 24 years in the MLB and catching a 25-inning game, uh, that was when catchers had it a bit tougher than they did today. So how is he so durable, and how do you train your athlete today to be so durable? Well, there's <laughs> a, a toss of whether he's durable or stubborn. Um, I think being stubborn is a, is a big part of it. He was, he was offered the chance to, to come out. I mean, in the 25 inning game, you run out of all your subs. You don't have anybody left. Um, and the manager, uh, who I believe was Jim Fregosi at the time, um, said, Hey, you know, Pudge, you want to go play first base or left field or, or someplace else? And my dad said, Hey, if I'm going to mess this game up, I'm going to mess it up doing what I know how to do. I'm not going to mess it up because I don't know how to play that position. So, um, so yeah, that was that was that was interesting. But again, it's it's the it's the toughness that you gain in preparation. It's the toughness you gain in the weight room, um, in all the sacrifices you have to make to get to that level, um, and just understanding that this didn't come for free. You know, there's there's a price for paradise, and either you're willing to pay it or you're not. Um, and that's that again. I think just the lessons in the weight room. You know, I'm not sure I can get this rep. Well, guess what? Try it anyway. And sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. But the times you got it when you didn't think you could, that, those compound, those build on themselves. It gives you confidence for the next time. Um, you put a weight on the bar that's a bully on the playground, right? You're not sure. You know, the bully's got you backed into a corner. It's going to be a fight. You're not going to win by laying down. So either you, either you throw haymakers or you get your butt kicked. Um, so you learn to give it whatever you've got and let the chips fall where they may. And that's, that's good enough if you gave it your back. So you shared on Twitter that you have a goal for your high school athletes of doing Bulgarian split squats with a hundred pound weights in each hand. Why is that? And what kind of success have you seen uh, with your athletes that could do that? That came, the goal came around because of the, of the success of the athletes who've been able to do it. I, I didn't set that out there as a, this is, a, it's not, it wasn't arbitrary at all. We, I, I came across Bulgarian split squats a while ago, years and years ago. And I, I started doing them and a client started doing them and everyone got faster and everyone could jump higher. And that's the only thing that we had changed, but that provided some real tangible um, benefits on the field and on the basketball court and the football field and so forth. Um, and what I noticed was that I had 11, 11 guys 
who were able to who get up to the point that they could do a, a split squat with a 100-pound dumbbell in each hand, and 10 of the 11 went on to play Division One ball. Like, well, okay. I'm not saying that that is – obviously, it's not the only factor, but there's, there's a drive and a, and a work ethic and a consistency of putting in the work that has to, has to precede doing that kind of weight on one leg with the rear leg elevated. So there's a flexibility in the hip flexors, there's strength in the you know, hamstrings and glutes. Um, and it's, and it, ha- it has to be bilateral, right? So, you, I mean, well, it's unilateral on both sides. So you have to be able to do it on each leg. Um, so the balance and the coordination that comes along with it, I don't know why. I, I, I just noticed that that happened, you know, whether it's an anomaly. And it, I mean, these kids are good players anyway, don't get me wrong. But um, I had one kid go from being a Division II uh, a division two catcher to being a division one, uh, second baseman. And we trained for, I think six months and he got super strong, um, on that exercise and on power cleans. I'm a fan of power cleans. I know some people aren't, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. There's there's danger involved, um, the wrists and elbows and so forth. But, um, those two have been, been massive in my in my experience massive predictors of advancement whether it's you know just advancing to be able to play college baseball or not so because you work with pitchers and hitters you shared uh, that you have different speeches you give them and my dad shared the post that uh with me uh years ago called hitting versus pitching versus hitting so can you kind of summarize uh what you tell them the the crux of that uh, of that article, uh, from from my point of view, is that confidence is king. If you're not confident as a player, um, you're not going to have the success that you're that you're looking for. So when you any anything that I can do to instill confidence in one of my players is going to be a bonus, right? I mean, I don't want to throw you know softball BP at him and say, oh, here's some fake success for you, but from a from a mental standpoint. Um, pitchers get in trouble when they walk people. There aren't many teams, especially high school teams, and I've coached a lot of high school age kids, and that's, so that's where I'm going to go with this. There aren't many high school teams that just flat out out hit you. They, you know, they beat you with their bats. They, yeah, they get their hits to score the runs, but how do those runners get on base? And in my experience with the scorebooks that I've gone through, you know, with 22 seasons, you know, 10 in high school and, and 12 in summer ball, over half of the runs at score got on base for free. Well, why are you walking people? You know, so either walk, air, hit, batter. So why are you walking people? Home plate doesn't move. You, you, I know you can throw strikes. I've seen you do it. But they get freaked out because they're worried about the ball getting hit. So they try to nip and tuck around the edges as opposed to just throw the ball, throw the ball in, you know, over the plate someplace and see if this guy can hit it, Right. So if, if you've ever watched a hitting lesson or if you've ever taken BP or watched BP, hitters aren't scary. <laughs> I mean, when, there's a lot of kids that I see, I mean, high school varsity kids, you put, you put balls on a tee and put a little bit of a constraint on them and they struggle, right? You, know, you move it in, move it out, move it up, move it down. And there's a lot of guys who struggle to hit you know, 80% rockets off a tee. Well, that's just silly. Um, so when you tell pitchers how, how 
easy it is to make a hitter struggle because guess what? Now the ball's not sitting still and you, and he doesn't know what way it's moving, you know, where it's going up, down, in, out, you know, slider, change of curveball, whatever you're throwing. There's no reason for a pitcher to fear a hitter. Cause even if he hits the ball hard, you got eight guys with gloves back behind you or seven behind you that are all looking to make plays. So the idea that a pitcher should be afraid of a hitter is, I don't know. I, I tell them it's just silly. Um, and that gives them the, the, the confidence to attack the strike zone. Don't give up free base runners. 100% of walks get on base. If you throw nothing but four-seam fastballs, maybe the other team hits 400 against you, but over the course of 100 batters, that's 60 guys not getting on base versus the 100 guys that would get on base with walks, right? So if you make the other team hit to DC, you don't give up free base runners, uh, you're going to win a whole lot of those games. And then with, from a hitting perspective, most pitchers, again, I'm talking about the high school level, most pitchers have a pattern. Most pitchers have an out pitch. Most coaches call pitches on a pattern. Uh, most high school pitchers don't control their off-speed pitches as well, so when they're behind the count, they're bringing fastball. It's, it's, a, it's sort of rare to see a, a high school pitcher throw a 2-0 changeup or a 2-0 curveball, right? So if you look at the 12 counts in baseball, eight of them are fastball counts, right? And 0 is a fastball count, 1 0 Most of the counts for, for a typical high school pitcher are very, very, very predictable. And you can pull up, there's another tweet of mine that I've, I've listed them all out for you. You know, obviously an advanced pitcher, somebody who works at driveline or someone who works with Lance Wheeler or somebody um, like that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not going to be as predictable, obviously. But I don't care how much you like your curveball if you don't throw if, if you're not confident throwing it for strikes, you're not going to throw it in a 2-0 count because you don't want to go 3-0. You're not going to throw in a 1-0 count because you don't want to go 2-0. Right? You're going to throw the pitch you have the most confidence if you can get back in the count. So when hitters when hitters can hunt patterns, that pitcher's not scary anymore. Because you're going to throw me a fastball, I'll kill your fastball. I, I I might not be a skilled enough hitter yet to deal with your off-speed pitch. I just got to wait for you to get the fastball count and pounce. So it's, it's, it's a way to instill confidence in your hitters about facing good pitching and a way to instill confidence in your pitchers about facing hitters um, that should benefit both groups. Okay, final question here. You can go to any restaurant and you can bring three people. Who are you bringing and what restaurant are you going to? Oh, my goodness. You, okay, you're catching me off guard with this one. Okay. So restaurant, um, whoa, that's a great question. I'm going to go, <laughs> why am I thinking so much? Okay. There's an awesome restaurant in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This is where I live. Um, it's also attached to a very nice brewery it's called Founders. So I'll take, I'll take them to Founders. And I will go with three people. I would, oh, are these all living people right now? It can be living or dead. It does not matter. Living or dead. Okay. Three people. Um, I would go with my dad. I would go with my mom. And my wife. How about that? Pretty good answers. 
and I'm, and I'm not going to get kicked out of the house tonight. So it's yay me. Um, you know, if, if I was going to go, people who have passed, uh, my father-in-law passed five years ago. I know that, uh, your grandmother passed four and a half years ago as well. So it was about the same time. Um, I would love to have another meal with him. I'd love to have another meal with, with any of my grandparents, um, who all passed, uh, as well. But, um, I'll stay with the living right now, stay on the positive side of the ground. And yeah, I'd, I'd take my parents and my wife and we'd all have a great time. Casey, thank you so much for playing ball. Sammy, I appreciate it, man. Um, all the best to you. All the best to your dad, your family. Um, keep swinging it, brother. Hope, you, hope your foot feels up. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. Thank you, Patrick Jones Baseball and DJ Jazzy Jeff123 for the reviews this week. And don't forget to play ball, kid.